This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. What does Russia want from the U.S. with respect to Ukraine? And why is the U.S. less than clear in stating what it wants out of Ukraine and what it wants for Ukraine? And is the U.S. really prepared to go to war over a country that's not of much importance to U.S. security? Cato's Doug Bendow and Brandon Valeriano give a sense of the state of play. Given the U.S. history with Ukraine and the U.S. history with Russia, Doug, uh, what could Ukraine be forgiving for, forgiven rather, for believing that the U.S. owes Ukraine? Well, the United States has gone out of its way to suggest to Ukraine that it's very likely to end up a NATO member without ever actually saying that it will end up a NATO member. And it's one of the problems, and it's not just the United States, it's the Secretary General of NATO himself. You know, lots of meetings, lots of very suggestive quotes. Uh, the Defense Secretary went over to Europe and put out a press release saying that he would be urging Ukraine to make all of the uh, reforms necessary that would allow it to join. So one can certainly imagine why the Ukrainians might think that they are owed membership in Ukraine. And if they think that, why shouldn't it be sooner rather than later? It's a very dangerous misperception. Most people outside of Ukraine don't believe that, but you can imagine a, a Ukraine under pressure might very well fall for that. Uh, Brandon, what's a reasonable read from Russia regarding uh, the discussions, the hints that uh, Ukraine would be admitted to NATO and, and what's a rational response from them? Well, I think the problem is, is that Russia wants an airtight security guarantee and no one is willing to give it. And the challenge, of course, is that uh, NATO really has no intention of admitting Ukraine, but the precedent established by prior conflicts and the fact that states that are not in NATO and the states that are in NATO is really the dividing line between the states that Russia antagonizes and the ones that Russia leaves alone really has taught some people the wrong lessons. And this is the situation we're in now. We're kind of stuck. You know, uh, we talk about countries that don't have nuclear weapons and countries that do have nuclear weapons and how other countries around the world talk to and engage with those countries. And there seems to be a fairly clear difference about that. Is that is that similar with respect to countries that are members of NATO? I would say no, and but that's actually the situation we're in because of that precedent. Because when Ukraine gave up their nuclear weapons, there was basically a tacit agreement that, um, you know, that eventually something would happen in terms of protecting them and giving them security guarantees that never were given. And that's really a challenge. But also when Ukraine gave up nuclear weapons, there was an agreement with Russia that that's where the situation would stop and that Russia would stop antagonizing Ukraine, which, of course, they've gone back on. Doug? Well, I think that what you find is there are categories that are different. That is, that Russia views, I suspect, countries that are in NATO as different from those that are out. So he would look at, uh, for example, the Baltic states, though being weak and on his border, they are part of NATO to attack them, to, to launch uh, any kind of you know, military action against them, would be in a different category. While he perceives, I think correctly, that uh, you know, Georgia and Ukraine, both of which are high on his list, are not members of NATO, and therefore he can threaten military action without 
be believing he's likely to face a, a military reaction from the West. And indeed, President Biden made that very explicit, that uh, they're not part of NATO. We don't owe them the same thing that we owe others. You know, that the Article 5 commitment is a sacred obligation, he said. But uh, the Ukrainians don't have that. So I think that that is a, a pretty clear delineation. And it's why Putin doesn't want them in NATO, that he understands that legal status brings with it a much greater likelihood of conflict. And I guess it's is it easy for the U.S. to say that the Article 5 commitment? You know, first of all, we should understand when we say Article 5 commitment under the NATO charter, we're referring to an attack on one being an attack on all. Right. Right. Well, that's right. What's critical to remember is that a lot of people perceive that automatically means we go to war, and it's not what the article says. The article says is we consult and figure out what we should do. And of course, what we might decide we should do is nothing. Nevertheless, it really does bind the alliance together and suggest something needs to be done and discussed in a way that if you're outside of NATO, you, know, you simply don't, we don't have to, we can ignore it. What has Joe Biden communicated? I know that that may be a difficult question to answer, especially in light of uh, recent days and his uh, press conferences. But what has he communicated and how clear was that communication? Well, I think that's the challenge is that we lack clarity. We have a signal to the opposition exactly what we're willing to do and what we're willing to protect. And there's a lot of different conversations going on uh, between the EU, between Ukraine and Russia, and between the United States and Russia. I don't think everyone's on the same page. And the kind of miscommunication that happened yesterday with Joe Biden um, muddies the water quite a bit right now. I can understand as a head of state communicating less than clearly what you intend to do with respect to your military as a short term uh, commitment. But the United States, of course, has this long history of extending security commitments to other countries that it seems like as the decades go by, the United States ultimately often has no intention of following through on those security commitments. And when they're challenged, I think it can make the U.S. look weak. Well, there's no doubt that you get into problems of lost credibility. Uh, the U.S. tries, like, for example, with Taiwan, what they call the strategic ambiguity. That is, in a sense, you hint to both sides and you hope that both of them take the hint the way you want it. And uh, you know, then you get the best of both worlds. So you hint that you might go and defend Taiwan to the Chinese, but you hint to the Taiwanese that if they're irresponsible, you won't defend them. And you figure that's great because the Taiwanese won't screw things up and the Chinese won't attack. Of course, you know, these sorts of things can work out badly. And uh, if you know, the perception is that you're going to come in anyway. And I think that that clearly is a problem. It's one of the reasons why the in out of NATO is a significant difference. You know, and I think that's one reason why the president earlier on kind of commented on that is because that's it's widely accepted that as much as you see in the debate today, I say on Capitol Hill, we need to do something to help the Ukrainians. Most of it is we should give them weapons, we should give them money, we should penalize you know sanctions on the uh, the Russians. Very few people, a couple. I mean, Roger Wicker, for example, is one a senator from Mississippi who said that we should like blow up their navy and you know, be prepared to use nuclear weapons. But he, he's really out of the ordinary. 
And I think this is where a lot of people understand that that miscommunication gets very dangerous because you really, if you communicate to our friends, this I think kind of happened to Georgia, where Georgia really thought that we would be behind them if they went to war with Russia. And there wasn't the slightest chance at all that George W. Bush was going to do that. But he'd called them a great ally. You know, he'd been over to Georgia. We'd said wonderful things about them, you know, kind of whispered sweet nothings in their ear. They were fighting in Afghanistan, weren't they? That exactly they put true, and then that was very conscious on their part. They wanted to build up the obligation. The Bucharest uh, con, uh, you know, NATO conference uh, earlier in 2008 had said that they and Ukraine ultimately you know, would come into NATO. So I think that the problem was we were trying to reassure him in ways that you can see why he took it a little too far. And uh, I think it was embarrassing because I think he acted the way he did because he believed it. And perhaps I mean, he was an irresponsible kind of guy, but he, he might not have done that. And we might have avoided a war with the Russians if he hadn't believed that. So for the benefit of U.S. security, what should the U.S. be communicating to uh, Russia and Ukraine sooner than later? I think the main thing is that we need to have a conversation amongst ourselves and really sort out what we're willing to offer and what we're willing to give here. And we seem to be creating red lines and strong negotiating positions about something we really are not willing to go to war for. And Russia really seems to be ready for war, if not already prepared for war. So the question is, you know, what are we going to do to stop this? And if the answer is nothing, that's really a problem because we put everything back on Russia's side and they have to do something to react to our inaction. So really, we need to walk into this like it's a Cuban Missile Crisis and offer missiles in Turkey. Even though we really don't want to give up missiles in Turkey or missiles near the border of Russia, that's really the challenge. There needs to be some concession because we are not going to war over this issue. Now, I think Brandon's point is very, very important here, is the relative, the difference in relative interest. You know, the Russians view this as an existential issue. We don't. I mean, you know, Ukraine really, in security terms, is not important for the United States. Ukraine is very important for the Russians. And I tell people, it's we need to understand the Russian viewpoint. Imagine if the Russians wanted to bring Mexico into the Warsaw Pact. Imagine if the Russians had wanted to put troops there. Imagine if the Russians had staged a coup d'etat in Mexico City. You know, the, I mean, that sort of thing would cause absolute you know, frenzy in Washington. Well, in a sense, that's kind of what we did to Russia. It doesn't justify what Putin did, but I think we have to understand why he cares. And that's why Brandon is absolutely right. This is the moment we have to come up with a negotiation and say, we got it. We understand how important it is. And if we don't plan on bringing Ukraine into NATO, it seems very silly to stand on that on principle if the result is it's going to get an attack by Russia, when in effect you can tell Russia, look, they're, they're not on the list. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, yeah, we've talked to them, but look, nobody wants to bring them in. Don't get upset about this. They're not going to be part of it. I mean, that's what we need to communicate. And if we don't do that, I'm very concerned what the Russians might do. It's also kind of weird that being almost a member of NATO is like a really precarious place to be. That's right. If, if he doesn't want you to be part of NATO, you're in a sense at the most dangerous moment because he's got to make sure you don't go in. If you're nowhere close to it, he's not worried about it. If you're in, he's stuck. But if you're almost in, he can still stop you from going in. And this goes to the heart of the purpose of NATO. And 
restrainers for a long time have been calling for rethinking of security alliances and questioning the profound truths in American uh, foreign policy. And one of those truths is the importance of NATO. But really, what is the purpose of NATO? What is it there for? And there has been strategic overreach and strategic uh, malaise, you know, during the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. And now we're stuck here. And we don't know where to go. We don't know what the future of NATO is. And NATO is clearly a threat as perceived by the Russians. And we're not willing to give anything to stop this issue. Now, we've alluded to it. Missiles, uh, security guarantees, things that uh, Vladimir Putin would like to get from the United States. What is he referring? What is he talking about specifically? That is to say, in terms of the 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 position of the United States uh, in terms of the ability to project power into Russia? Well, Putin wants a couple of things. He'd like to have a written guarantee that we're not going to bring uh, you know, Ukraine into NATO. I mean, and that's just very hard to grant that, uh, you know, I mean, just in terms of you know, national ego to, to be able to grant that. Nevertheless, it's the kind of thing you could imagine informally granting. He's also concerned about placement of weapons and troops and the question of how close to Russia, you know, where along the border, what countries. And again, this is something one should be able to negotiate because, in fact, you, both sides can be better off. I mean, you can ask Russia not to have its troops on the border with Ukraine. You can ask the Ukrainians not to have their troops on the border with, say, the separatist territories if they're reintegrated but have autonomy. This is so that's the kind of thing we should be able to have a serious negotiation on. You know, but he he's very serious about this. He pers he wants to have look, what he wants in a sense is what America has. He wants a sphere of influence. He wants a Monroe Doctrine. You know, he wants Russia protected, you know, from threats from others. And I think we need to recognize that and give him something of that, even if we don't call it that. Doug Bandow and Brandon Valeriano are senior fellows at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>